You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. And I'm really excited to welcome back on the program, Cruzy McCalligan. Cruz, it's great to see you. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. It's freezing today, though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm pretty cold. I'm feeling a bit nippy. I don't blame you. It's about 15 degrees Celsius um, today. Otherwise, I think I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, That's practically freezing for us in a tropical climate. Exactly. Well, it's kind of fitting because we're talking about, well, you're talking about body temperatures. and yes. <laughs> Very, very why? relevant. Yeah, why are you talking about that? Um, well, because I think I, I think it's just that, you know, like it's become part of our everyday lives to have our body temperatures measured every time we're going in and out of a building, right? Everywhere. Um, and it just made me think, because I was, I was thinking the other day, I thought, okay, well, obviously that's so that people can detect a fever. But I was wondering, I wonder if anyone set it off, you know, if anyone's actually been caught with a fever. You know what I mean? And they've been like, you cannot come in because you have 39.5 degrees fever. I was just wondering today when I was like going anyway so that's why I wanted to think about it a little bit because human body temperature is something that suddenly everyone's really interested in and we're having monitored all day long right in all the different places that we are and it's very interesting that the well I suppose we'll hear more from you later uh, but what struck me about these doorway thermometers is they don't really measure you at your regular body temperature they measure your core temperature because I remember going to Queen Mary Hospital for a checkup and I was looking at everybody's temperature and everybody was ranging between sort of 34.8 to 35.2 and yeah, which I was, is like, which is really dead. low and I, I remember <laughs> saying to them I I think your thermometer is broken but they're like no 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 that, that that's correct that's correct but anyway over to right, you yeah. Chris. we are on well, Facebook anyway, live it, by the way Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 and David says good afternoon everyone from Melbourne. Good afternoon to you too, uh, David. Over to you, Cruz. Fantastic. And yes, yeah, so anyway, so I'm really, I think I'm really interested in this. And I'm really interested in this, um, <laughs> this concept of human body temperature. Um, because I know, like, for example, my daughter, one of my daughters has always been a little bit hot. She's always run hot. And um, I always have to remind myself of that whenever I think she has a fever. I'm like, well, no, this is normal for her, you know, or whatever it is. So I wanted to think about it a little bit more. So humans are homeothermic, so we're warm, which means we're warm-blooded. And this means that unlike amphibians or reptiles, our bodies have an innate mechanism of temperature regulation, thermoregulation, to keep our internal temperatures constant in spite of external variations. So of course, when you think about a lizard on a rock heating up in the sun, we don't have to do that. I love to do that, but we don't have to do that, right? So, of course, the typical human body operates within a very narrow range, really, of between about 36.5 and 37.5 um, degrees Celsius or 97.7 to 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit. But don't ask me about Fahrenheit because I don't work that way. I am a metric person through and through. Um, this is the temperature range that's most optimal for all of the biochemical processes involved in a normal metabolism. But as an individual's temperature may, from moment to moment, vary based on a plethora of factors, including what sex we are, our state of consciousness, whether we've exercised, whether we're sick or healthy, the time that we're in our reproductive cycle, if we're, if we're female, all those different things can affect our temperature. So I was really curious, like, how do they keep it? How do our bodies keep it so 
regular you know even if there's a little bit of variation how does it keep coming back to that so um i want to look into this i'll tell people who don't know um body temperature regulation is like a reflex so you're not conscious of it we're not thinking cool down cool down although i do think that when i'm having like particularly heated arguments <laughs> but like otherwise i'm not you know i'm not trying to regulate it so and the average healthy human body maintains an internal temperature about that, you know, between around 37 degrees Celsius, and it can vary. Um, and it makes our bodies make tiny shifts and changes to keep it at that healthy temperature, depending on the environment and our output. So in the brain, it's the hypothalamus that controls that reflex. It also plays a role in hormone secretion, sleep, and other functions as well. So the hypothalamus receives input from temperature receptors in our skin and our internal organs, including the, our gut. And what happens is even at rest in a temperate environment, our hypothalamus is like, really vigilant and it's working really hard muscles produce a huge amount of heat when they're working including the heart obviously and in our in our guts and our abdomens and even the diaphragm muscle um as we're to enable breathing as well as we're so breathing, maintaining a proper yeah, so, so maintaining a proper body temperature is a full-time job even when it seems like we're not actually working any muscle so you're not doing a crossfit session but you're just alive you're, you're still using energy right um so when when body temperature rises what are the major risks so what's interesting is um and this is something we have to remind ourselves of as parents often with children getting fevers because that's kind of i've never really noticed myself to get a fever even when i get sick i don't usually tend to get a fever but when you notice our children get a fever when they have when they get unwell and we all go into it and i'm going to say this most parents go into complete tailspin like they have a fever um, but of course, a fever serves a, a function. A fever is a positive thing. It is your body creating a hostile environment for something that is attacking it. So the reason that your body temperature raises is so that it's your body's literally saying to the virus or bacteria or infection or pathogen in your system, I'm going to make this environment inhospitable to you so you can't survive. That's why you get a fever, which is fascinating and also an argument for sometimes not always bringing down a fever if it's kind of manageable if it's a mild fever it's doing what it's supposed to do so so of course the thing is that the body's cells are very susceptible to high temperatures and as temperature rises above 40 degrees celsius which would be a high fever the proteins in cells can start to unravel and this impairs cell function and can eventually lead to cell death um so for example in the brain this can have long-term consequences including permanent brain damage that's why if you have a very very high fever it's important to try and bring that fever down you know that we don't we're not designed to be boiling ourselves alive um of course the reduced function of your heart muscle can also be a real danger so as body temperature rise the heart works harder to pump blood to the peripheries to cool the body of course one of the things that cools us is the actually the circulation of our blood and we lose heat as um, we lose heat from our extremities as well, which is really fascinating. So anyway, so the, of course, the biggest danger of us getting too hot is dehydration, reduced blood flow to the, the brain, things like that. Um, and so that's a, that's a really big one as well. And if our temperature falls too much, that's when um, which is actually less dangerous than rising temperature. If you didn't know this, high temperatures can quickly cause cell death. But low temperature doesn't necessarily have to have the same effect which is why mammals, as we talked about in previous programs, it might have even been last week, hibernation. about hibernation. Exactly, yeah. Their internal temperatures can drop significantly. Um, so that's pretty interesting as well. And there's a couple of other interesting facts about body temperature as well uh, that I'd really like to uh, chat about, which I thought were quite fascinating. The first one is that women are more sensitive to the cold than men. And apparently this is scientific. 
So we have justification for being miserable in winter. <laughs> um, although we actually have higher core temperatures than men on average, of course, everything average, everyone's different. Conventional wisdom is that we tend to get cold more easily. And this has scientific credence. Um, firstly, women have lower resting metabolic rates compared to men. Um, and this is because gram for gram, we tend to have less muscle mass than men, of course varies to the individual. Um, when we're exposed to cold temperatures, blood rushes out of our extremities, our hands and our feet to our core in order to keep our organ, protect our organs and keep them warm. And this process happens more rapidly in women because women have a lower volume of blood than men. Again, interesting. So yeah, so on average, they've, um, that we may actually feel, um, they've demonstrated with a study that we actually may feel up to three degrees colder than men in the same temperature. So three it's, degrees. it's not wind chill factor. Wow. Yeah, three degrees colder, which I fully believe because I'm freezing all the time. Um, which, um, is why the, which is why also children, their body temperatures can fluctuate. They can get cold very easily and they can get hot very easily because they also have a smally, smally, smaller body mass. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Which is why, you know, with us of kids and we see them running around and peeling off their layers, the minute that they stop running around, we're waiting with all the layers, knowing they're going to be freezing cold. Like, put it all back on again. <laughs> um, now, of course, um, this is really fascinating. Um, it's called, I'm going to talk about something called the Pinocchio effect. So apparently lying, believe it or not, can cause your nose to heat up. Okay. So researchers at the University of Granada in Spain have shown that being dishonest causes anxiety, which in turn causes the temperature of your nose and the muscles around your eye to increase by 0 0.6 to 1.2 degrees centigrade, which is a lot, actually. That's like climate change levels. You know, like, that's a lot. And this incredible finding, to no one's surprise, has been dubbed the Pinocchio effect because it's re remarkable. Um, and apparently, yes, yeah, so that's, it's quite, they, they, they're they using, trying to use a lie detection model based on thermography, where we're actually measuring the heat on someone's face to work out whether they're lying, which I think is amazing. I was so going to say that's a better lie detector based. way rather than seeing the graph, the polygraph. Yeah, it's just, just measuring measure their, temperature. their Measure their little hot nose. Um, <laughs> This is really fascinating. So as I mentioned, falling body temperatures being less dangerous than rising body temperatures, cooling your body could save your brain. So in the period following conditions such as cardiac arrest, where blood flow to the brain is interrupted, the patient's body is maintained at a lower temperature after resuscitation in a process called targeted temperature management. And I've heard about this. It's amazing the kinds of the lives that have been saved by this therapeutic, um, you know, hypothermic uh treatment so it, it's incredible really yeah so basically they, they have ice water or cooling catheters cooling pads all of these things kind of induce a bit of hypothermia and it's it's posited that the therapeutic effects are due to decreased oxygen demand as well as a reduction in the amount of free radicals formed in the brain so when you cool the body it requires less oxygen therefore the effects of having had cardiac arrest while they're doing all the things they need to do to help you out um, can actually be can be mitigated, which is amazing. I think maybe there is some truth to it because um, one of our guests on, on Monday, Nathan Solia, he often talks about having a cold shower and it makes you feel more alive. And I suppose there is some oh, it truth does. to it. You yeah. know, it, it just wakes yeah. you up and, in, in a medical yeah, my context. Favorite too. Thing, my favorite thing to do in winter, which I now can't do because of uh, restrictions, is swimming in the ocean. Oh, I like so swimming cool. in the ocean in winter 
more than summer. I love it. I love the feeling of being in freezing cold water and then having a really hot shower afterwards. Having said that, the water temperature might actually be a bit warmer than the air temperature. temperature. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Another thing is that um, all these images we have of elderly people being rugged up in dressing gowns is completely justified because as you get older, you get colder. Um, And this has actually been found in a clinical setting as well. So it may be a seemingly um, innocuous temperature reading in most people could indicate a fever in an elderly person. Um, and this makes all the, so, so they're actually, their body temperatures are a little bit lower than, so elderly people actually have lower body temperatures. So what might seem like 37.5 degrees for us or 38 degrees, but they are, they're fine. They're fine. It might actually be a fever for an elderly person mm. because their body temperature is a little bit colder, which I thought was very interesting. And also that we should work on keeping our elderly neighbours and community members and family members nice and toasty warm through winter months because they need it even more. Um, I thought it was pretty fascinating that cooler environments are actually better for sleep quality than being too hot. So there is substantial evidence to show sleeping in a room which is relatively cold, so between 15 and 20 degrees, which is cold for me, um, might actually do wonders for the quality of your sleep. Studies indicate that cooler ambient temperatures cause the temperature of the body to drop slightly, which is actually optimal for the production of the sleep hormone melatonin. Um, And the benefits of sleeping in a cooler room are that you fall asleep more quickly and you feel more rested when you've woken up. Um, So this is why people actually say that a hot bath before bed is good for sleep. It's not because you're really warm. It's because you have that that difference in temperature is a little bit more dramatic coming out of a hot bath into a cool room. And it really signals your brain, oh, it's time to sleep now. That drop in temperature is it's time to sleep, which I guess makes sense when you think once upon a time, we weren't all rugged up in comfy beds. We were in a nice cool cave out of the the day's burning sun so i suppose the drop in temperature was very you know evolutionary was our signal to be like okay preserve your resources knuckle down go to sleep and that's why Um, that's the bedtime routine for many babies and children it's you know um bath and then book and then bed so there is some truth it makes them sleepy Absolutely. So it's, it's, I thought that was quite, I thought that was quite interesting, really. Um, anyway, um, the other one that I thought was, uh, was a pretty good one this time of year, as everyone's getting a little bit merry, is the, to remember that alcohol doesn't make you warmer. <laughs> so, um, but it makes you twice, red, but, doesn't it? It makes you yeah, yeah, it does. It's, it's, it's an illusion. So think twice before bringing a flask out with you to the ski slopes or not that we have those in Hong Kong. Um, but basically, the, fir- the body's first major reaction to cold is to constrict blood vessels to conserve body heat okay now alcohol has the opposite effect it causes your peripheral blood vessels to dilate sending heat out into the environment so this is um this was uh, research done at the u.s army research institute of environmental medicine um so warm you know that that warm skin feeling that you have after you've had a drink like you said like your, your face feels warm or those things it's actually a false sense of security in cold weather alcohol actually causes your core temperature to drop which can lead to hypothermia in extreme cases. So it's just an illusion. It just makes you feel warm, but you're not warm. Oh, <laughs> it is another side effect of alcohol. It distorts the truth. <laughs> on all Anybody levels, knows? emotional and <laughs> yeah, physical. On all levels. <laughs> on all levels. Um, there's also some interesting research that has come out that says that maybe human body temperatures are cooling down and have over the past century and a half. Um, so we've always learned that you know there's this average body temperature, but... That figure was probably more correct in 1851 when a doctor decided to take the average armpit temperature of 25,000 people 
which was a pretty bold move at the time. Um, and according to that, so they actually, but now we've done some more research and we actually think that um, it may have been falling a little bit and it's actually dropped by a degree. Um, so that's a really interesting thing. They've also they suggested that the process of altering our surroundings, we've also altered ourselves. So um, they say that we've changed in height and weight and we're colder. Um, so people, we, this is kind of a fact. We're, we're taller now than we were a few hundred years ago. We're getting we're getting taller and, and things like that. We also have much more climate controlled environments. We have technology that allows us to, you know, I mean, how many people we know in Hong Kong who in the height of summer wear a pashmina to their office because the aircons are so freezing cold, right? Like we have very variable indoor climates. Um, so it's really interesting in that in that way. So that researchers are kind of confused because they're like, what is this telling us that the temperatures have changed? But they think it could be this more sedentary way of life that we have. Um, you know, they also think there's been more of a decline in infectious diseases. So people are much more likely, um, sorry, less likely to have things like tuberculosis, syphilis, gum disease, all these things that um, people suffered from before. So it could have been that once upon a time, people's temperatures were always a little bit high, higher because they were always fighting something off. And now we're maybe not fighting off as many things, which is a, obviously a positive as well. Um, so yeah, so there's also less there's also less uh, motivation for our metabolic systems to really uh, to to really work harder. And I have read some things about this about like trying to um, like let your body do what it needs to do to you know obviously don't freeze or overheat, but trying to let your body go through its natural processes of heating and cooling. I remember reading something about this and saying you know rather than putting your aircon on at night try just sleeping with a fan or or keep a sheet off you and just let yourself sweat because that's what your body is designed to do but of course none of us like to sweat in a professional environment so it's also that kind of idea that we're not always letting our bodies do what they need to do to to change us in that kind of in intermediate range of temperatures to kind of which i think is really fascinating as well um so yes yeah, so they're wondering what that's teaching us at the moment about things like that, about whether or not this is, um, you know, this is an, an indication of once again, we're becoming these sedentary blobs who don't know how to self-regulate in so many ways. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I think it, but I, I find it very, very fascinating. I have a couple of, um, I have a couple of quotes. Before we get to your quotes. quotes very quickly, Cruz, on oh, the go. Facebook page, um, David says, it's by the way, it's 21.5 degrees here in Melbourne. Very lucky. It's about 15 here in Hong Kong. And he also adds he's not happy about that fact with the alcohol, that, you know, false sense of... <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint so many people. Sorry, yeah. You can see me on Facebook. I'm still embracing Christmas spirit with my virtual background. But um, yes, I, I just want you to tell you that, that, that like whole... Um... <laughs> and it makes you think about the St. Bernard rescue dogs that you used to you know that in Swiss, Swiss Alps or something you would have their, that like flask around their collar to find the person stranded by an avalanche I'm like that was a real placebo effect that they come along with a little tipple of whiskey and you feel a little bit warmer for a moment but I'm sorry buddy you're still trapped in an avalanche in the Swiss Alps you know it's not actually warming you up so anyway maybe it's works. just to be maybe they're just celebrating the fact that they got rescued otherwise they'll be stuck there yeah, exactly I think that's probably yeah it is it's toasting toasting seeing a dog <laughs> so that's pretty good um anyway um, I have a couple of quotes. Um, the first one is from um, an evangelical pastor, actually. I started looking into this. I don't know why I'm quoting him. But, hey, this was a wise thing he said. He said, hot, hot, hot heads and cold hearts never solved anything. Um, 
Very wise. She's like, very wise. Very wise. Um, I also got very philosophical, and maybe it was because it was late at night when I was writing the show, but I have a newfound appreciation for Snoop, a Snoop Dogg quote, which is, <laughs> drop it like it's hot. <laughs> I went on an existential journey in my mind, and I was like, that's a wonderful metaphor, because you would you'd drop it if it was hot, wouldn't you? I, 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 I get what he means now, <laughs> having heard the lyric for... A very long time. Drop it like it's hot, Noreen. You drop it like it's hot, and because that's how he's encouraged exactly to, dance. to let go of things that's not suitable yeah, to for let the cl- go. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I got very deep with that Snoop Dogg quote. Anyway, and the last one is Nancy Gibbs, um, who said, "Virtues like viruses have their seasons of contagion. When catastrophe strikes, generosity spikes like a fever. Courage spreads in the face of tyranny." Wow. I thought that was a good quote to end on today. <laughs> Very deep quotes all around. Well, Cruz, as usual, thank you so, so, so much uh, for, for your sharing. And David also adds very wise on the Facebook page, so he gets the last word. Thank you very much indeed, David, for your uh, input. And thank you very much, Cruzy, for your contribution for this week's audio column. And I'll see you again next week. Thank you very much indeed. And that's Cruzy McCalligan. Bye. Bye for now. And a quick, um, and also many thanks uh, once again to all our other guests uh, today. And we were talking to uh, Caroline Corson from HKU. Also, many thanks to Jim Gold for uh, being our studio producer at Broadcast.